Do I have like demon bloodline? Do I am I dragon bloodline? Or what gives me this magic power that isn't learned? It's just innate, and it might be dangerous. Ah! The patriarch, Father John, has given me his pizza powers and his racism. <laughs> And his racism. Hooray. No one said that Father John was not problematic, but he did confer upon me my pizza powers through divine birthright. Cool. So, uh, the sorcerer. <laughs> the sorcerer. I'm not playing in that space. This is a grievance corner. Well, here I am in the dollar store once again, looking for something fun for Joe and Andrew since we made plans for later today. Uh, ooh, what's this? Oh, those little bags you buy without having any idea what's inside? That sounds fun. Well, screw the plans, we're doing this instead. Pull up a drink and pour yourself a chair, folks. The game mechanics are gonna open up this grab bag and see what's inside here on Talkin' Shop. Hmm, my parakeet's ulcerative colitis has only worsened since our jaunt to Six Flags. We should get that checked out. Yeah, let's do this. Glad you're well, warm. it turns out that my parakeet's ulcerative colitis doctor also went to Six Flags and is out of office. Well, that's not very convenient at all. Did they have? Did they have somebody else in the office for them? Do they? Uh, actually, he switched places with the old man who's like, you know what I'm talking about? The Venga Bus guy. Yeah. So the Venga Bus guy is your vet now. And he is not an accredited physician. So oh. this is not going to go well for all of the other parakeets with various uh, maladies. That's less than ideal. Hey there, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to another Talking Shop. This time we're going to talk about, honestly, I don't remember. We kind of lost the plot. But originally we were going to talk about uh, Unearthed Arcana that we really enjoy. And then I just couldn't do it. That's fair. That's honestly really fair. <laughs> you got you got Joe here on the mic, Joe Lytus. You got Jonah Jackson as well. Hello. Hey everybody, it's your baby brother, Andrew Johnson. <laughs> the oh, babyest there part. it is. The baby boy. Maybe I should go first since I was about to say, like let's start with something be. positive. Yeah, yeah let's, not, I, let's not begin with the airing of grievances. For sure. So I would like you all to come with me on a journey. A journey to the seven seas. Why, why only seven? May, it might be more depending on your personal canon and lore. Speaking of canons... Welcome to Of Ships and the Sea. This is a section I like to call, Let's Try Boat Stuff. <laughs> right. We're going to try boat stuff. This is uh, the Unearthed Arcana that Wizards put out. Oh, God, I can't actually remember when they did it, but uh, it's called Of Ships and the Sea. Wasn't it like last year? Uh, it must have been, it was yeah. Right like, before, I, like, they I remember... released Salt Marsh. Yeah, we talked about this, I think, because we were all super excited about it and then just did nine other concepts or, or games instead. As we are wont to do. So it goes. Uh, this document provides optional rules for using ships in play, managing the officers and crew needed to run a ship, and owning a ship. The sea offers rewards and risks for those willing to brave the waves in search of adventure. I love this Unearthed Arcana. I'll give you guys a quick uh, rundown real quick. But basically, they treat ships like stat blocks. Ships have stats mm -hmm. uh, like they would. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but other objects only usually really have a cost and a durability, like hit points to them. Most items or objects don't have like a strength score, for example. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Like, they might have an AC, but, like, other than that, yeah, it's pretty much, like... Yeah, exactly. Like, their armor, like, for hitting a keep wall might be, like, 18 AC, you know, and only those things can damage it. Right. Uh, but a ship has a stat block, uh, and the basic statistics, you know, they're, they're usually large, huge, or gargantuan, depending on the size category. Uh, they occupy spaces uh, as characters would and, and can move through like a grid or a hexagon. And uh, they have all these stats that relate to their carrying capacity, uh, their travel pace, and any vulnerabilities, resistances, and immunities. And I also really like that uh, they have a little uh, block here called typical ship immunities, basically saying that ships are usually immune to blinded, charmed, deafened, exhaustion, frightened, incapacitated, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, stunned, and unconscious. They don't mention, f oh no, they did mention frightened. Oh, I wanna frighten I I was a boat. I wanna frighten a boat. My ship is scared. So ships, if you think about them, are like these large uh, units, much like you might pilot an NPC or anything else, but their movement is determined by the actions of the PCs or, are in, or NPCs that are in control of it. And a ship is composed of different components. The hull, that's the basic frame, uh, the control component, whatever it is being used to steer the ship, uh, the movement component, that is the element that enables it to move, such as a set of sails or oars, uh, and weapons. A ship capable of being used in combat has one or more weapon components, each of which is operated separately. It also has an armor class, hit points, and what I thought was interesting, a damage threshold, uh, which is uh, a little number that appears after its hit points, and you have to deal that many hit points in damage before any damage actually takes effect. Okay, like in a single hit? Exactly, like a damage okay, threshold cool. of 10. If you deal, you know, two damage to it with a with a, a slingshot or something, yeah. nothing would counts. happen. Um, okay, yeah, but if you shoot a firebolt and it does 12 points, then... It does two it would, damage, okay. right? It, no, 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 it, it does, does the full 12, oh, cool. which uh, I actually really like, because then it actually does feel like a vehicle or a tank or, or something and it something inanimate and mm -hmm. not bleeding yeah um and it really reminds me honestly of how vehicles take damage in uncharted worlds or or other uh powered by the apocalypse games where they are just sort of naturally like an inorganic material is is less likely to suffer uh debilitating damage than people made of flesh or alien flesh um and then I, I really encourage everybody to go check out the Unearthed Arcana for all the different ship archetypes they sort of throw in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot. They're sort of keen to say that these are samples and that it's really up to your own discretion how to make a ship or what determines a ship. Like their very first example is an airship, a gargantuan vehicle, creature capacity, 20 crew, 10 passengers. Oh, that's an interesting point. So whenever there's a number for crew, that's how many it takes usually to run and maintain a ship. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in my mind, if I was a DM, I would say you could do things with less, but there are going to be specific consequences, like maybe, you know, uh, it, it starts to degrade quickly because people aren't able to take the care that is needed to clean or this, that, or the other. Um, maybe, like, an engine might overheat. I would introduce complications. That's what, that's what Mercer did. Because nice. uh, he used this unearthed arcana for like his ship stuff in the second season of critical role and uh yeah it was really interesting like they found themselves on a boat where they didn't have like enough crew at one time and it was just like yeah the the, th the more what he did i think as opposed to like handicap just because based on like i mean dm 
choices in the moment. But he was just like, they're moving at a slower speed than they want to be moving at. Mm. Because there wasn't yeah. like previous damage. And it wasn't like an airship where it's like, oh, there's going to be an engine overheating or something like that. It was just like... It was just a boat. It's like, you're not as good at getting up the sails as quickly or like having enough crew to like move it as fast as it would normally go. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I might even impose something if it was really harsh, like if it was just a couple people mm -hmm. uh, to, to properly maintain and operate it might even give you exhaustion. Oh, yeah, for sure. You would have, okay, got to go get the anchor. And, oh, God, we need to do, the, you know, all that other stuff. God forbid if there's like an actual combat situation. Oh, yeah. But uh, so what I, what I want to mention about this airship is that I'm going to get into it in a second with what the components actually mean. But they're making it very clear that these components are fundamentals that can be flavored however you like. It's it's a very functional chassis on which you can put any setting of engine or sail or, or weapon. So for example, for the airship, they have something as the movement component, the elemental engine. It's locomotion, air, elemental power, da-da-da-da-da, with the, uh, the sort of caveat that if this engine is destroyed, the, sh the ship immediately crashes. It just can't stay uh, in the air anymore. Nice. And then you might have something literally like a galley or a rowboat, where the movement isn't a magical engine. It's just dudes. It's just dudes <laughs> pulling oars, like a longship or something like that. But even a rowboat, two crew, two passengers, travel pace, three miles per hour. I, I love that these components can be anything, but there are rules that apply to their function and their usage. And that, that to me is just really good game design. It's really forward-thinking game design because it, it, it lets the DM design things for a campaign I, I wouldn't even say it, it lets them. It, it straight up encourages them to make cool design dis, uh, decisions. But essentially, these components can be damaged. They have hit points. And when a ship component is destroyed and becomes unusable, uh, it, it has dropped to zero hit points. And a ship is wrecked if its hull is ever completely destroyed. Uh, so maintaining the hit points and the, the sort of health of your components is, is absolutely necessary if you want your ship to be able to steer or if you want your ship to not take on water, or if you want your weapons to actually work. I, I really love that. It's not just your ship takes so many arrows and then it just sinks. It's no, it's specific parts of the ship become unusable or yeah. incapacitated until a, you know an expert can fix them. Speaking of, I'm going to name some of the officer roles that people would need to fill to run a ship. It, it needs officers to oversee its operations who fill six different roles. A person can fill only one role at a time, though multiple people can be assigned to a single role. And they reflect uh, the need for trained experts to direct a crew's efforts. So there's the captain, the first mate, the bosun, the quartermaster, the surgeon, and the cook. Hey, gentlemen, let's say that you are Mingus and Fargus, or, or whatever two... Dibs on Fargus. You're Fargus? Okay, Mingus. Jonah's Mingus. Uh, Fargus and Mingus, what, if we were running a nautical campaign right now, officers would you guys want to be in your boat? Let's say that this is a nautical campaign, it might be an exploration campaign in like a Caribbean sort of environment, and it's a, a group of, um, I don't know, like uh, adventurers who, who manage to have their own boats. Maybe they stop short of piracy. Maybe they're more, it belongs in a museum, whatever. What roles would you guys want to fill of those six? Cool. Fargus is 
is a a dwarf cook who's had his tongue cut out so he can't taste his own food. Uh, <laughs> had his tongue yeah cut out. Can't can't talk uh. with a Scottish accent either. Oh right. no. Yeah. Oh my god. He better be like a like a, a soul knife so he can telepathize with people. It, no worry, um, he's psionics for sure. Oh god, great. Uh Mingus, what role would you want to be? Captain, um, first mate, bosun, quartermaster, or surgeon. Mingus is going to be an Aarakocra artificer who is the surgeon on the ship. And he is an Aarakocra that does resemble a parrot. Oh my god. All right, we're going to have to do this at some point Mingus because those are two Fargus. great characters. Uh, yep, it's I, happening. I, I really don't want to play Fargus. Then he'll be in the, oh, that's true. He'll be in, well, actually, I've always thought, you know, an, a mute or or otherwise uh, un, unspeaking character might be really fun because then you can just describe actions. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, so the surgeon and the, the cook. See, here's why I love this unearthed arcana. I looked at these positions and I'm like, there's no way we would want a, a party of six, really. It, it, the way that we want to want to run like a, a super, we would want some form of NPCs. And this Unearthed Arcana encourages us to use NPCs. That's why there's the crew. That's why, you know, on any large ship, you need a crew of 10 or 15 people or 20 people or whatever. Yeah. And I, it's just so rife for a story, uh, setting so i automatically you know using just the dm's guide npc generation i generated four more officers to be on this boat uh let's say one through four three let's say that the captain is an orc who's uh, unbelievably lucky and fidgety let's say that the first mate is a half elf who speaks several languages and uh constantly puns let's say that the bosun is a minotaur with perfect memory and he's prone to humming and let's say that the quartermaster is a drow wearing sunscreen who knows thieves can't and often stares into the distance like i want to adventure Yo, we with fuck these. Up that drow that's an awesome crew that let's drow do it is evil though no it's a red hair staring into the distance uh, bullshit nah wearing sunscreen uh never trust someone in sunscreen that hurts the captain (laughs) you're literally a vampire who wears banana boat never trust someone in sunscreen um maybe (laughs) not if you're a kurt seaman but i'll I'll just like i want to play this game now um but i'll just run through what the roles do really quickly captains issue orders the best captains have high intelligence and charisma scores as well as proficiency with water vehicles the intimidation and persuasion skills uh first mate a specialist that keeps the crew's morale up by providing close supervision encouragement and discipline benefits from a high charisma score as well as intimidation or persuasion skills seems like a paladin to me the bosun provides technical advice to the captain and crew and leads repair and maintenance efforts and requires a high strength score as well as proficiency with carpenter's uh, tools and the athletic skill. Quartermaster, yep, plots the course, relies on knowledge of nautical charts, wet weather and sea conditions, uh, wisdom score, proficiency with navigator's tools and the nature skill. Surgeon, injuries, sanitation, illnesses, uh, benefits from a high intelligence score as well as proficiency with herbalism and medicine skill. Cook, uh, the cook is very interesting because the skilled cook keeps the crew's morale in top shape, which is a very important stat, uh, while a poor one drags down the entire crew's performance. Definitely Fargus. Oh yeah, a talented cook is a high constitution <laughs> score, sounds like a dwarf, as well as proficiency with brewer's supplies and cook's utensils. Okay, a crew is the number of able-bodied sailors required to crew a ship, as specified in the stat block. A crew's skill, experience, morale, and health 
are defined by its quality score. So it's not just, is this crew happy with you or not? It's literally, are they good at their jobs? Are they healthy? Are they experienced enough? And are they happy enough? And a crew starts with a quality score of plus four. And that score varies over time, going as low as negative 10 and as high as plus 10. It decreases as a crew takes casualties, suffers hardship, or endures poor health. It increases if the crew enjoys high morale, has good health care, and receives clear, fair leadership. Bernie 2020. A typical crew member uses the commoner stat block in the monster manual. So here's the thing. A poorly led or mistreated crew might turn against its officers. Once per day, if a crew's quality score is lower than zero, the captain must make a charisma check modified by the crew's quality score. If the check is between one and nine, the crew's quality score decreases by one. If the check is zero, if the check total is zero or lower, the crew instantly mutinies. They become hostile to the officers and might attempt to kill them imprison them or throw them overboard. I added the word instantly. I think it's actually cooler if it's like, that's when like the plan starts to hatch. So, but yeah. like, can we the, throw this the, in there? This is yeah. the captain yeah. that's making this check, right? Yes, D- depending on intimidation or persuasion and only if the quality score is lower than zero. The, the check never comes up if it's above zero. So basically okay. as a captain, you need to find a, a halfling you, you have to find <laughs> one halfling and put him near you at the start of every day. <laughs> right. Or be a halfling. A halfling bard exactly. captain. Exactly. True. Done. Yeah. Now halfling here's the thing. Halfling unmutinable. As written, that's true, pretty much. It would have to be like a bunch of ones in a row. But if I was a DM, I would start Im- imposing penalties based on gameplay. Like, you might be the best captain in the world, but if a Kraken just ate half the crew and half of them are newbies and the other half are fucking, like, PTSD, I'm going to start adding, like, pretty hefty penalties if we say we should go back into the Kraken lands. You know, let's go back into the Kraken zone. That's when I would make that check maybe at, either at disadvantage if I was feeling really mean or, uh, you know, with a minus two penalty or a minus three penalty or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a really fun mechanic, though. How else are you going to get that booty? Exactly. Regardless, I that's a good pitch. That's a good persuasion check right there. Uh, <laughs> shore leave. <laughs> Life abo- aboard a ship is a constant wear on the crew, and spending time in port allows the crew to relax and regain its composure. If a crew quality score is three or lower, the score increases by one for each day the crew spends in port or ashore. I love this. Mm-hmm. Like, I... Yeah. I it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes it, it makes sense, and it encourages like world building because you have to find the port and stay there. It encourages a real sense of uh, humanity for the crew that they just need time to fucking chill and drink ale and go, you know, I don't know, to the temple or wenching or whatever else in darkest dungeon you you need to do to keep yourself from losing it on the high seas. Whipping yourself. Uh, And then uh, there's a whole lot of uh, rules about travel pace and activity while traveling, and a lot of them are restricted to certain officers, uh, unless the DM rules otherwise. For example, a bard might be allowed to engage in the race morale activity by playing bawdy songs on deck to lift the crew's spirits, right? Even though that's not maybe technically their job. Uh, Other activities include drawing a map that allows ships to always get back to where they have been on course uh, unless something really messes with them. 
that's something that the captain undertakes, producing a map that records the progress. Uh, foraging, uh, a character can cast out fishing lines, uh, making a wisdom survival check for extra sources of food. Uh, raise morale is something that the first mate usually can only do. Uh, it's a charisma persuasion check if the crew's quality score is three or lower. On a successful check, it increases by one. Uh, navigate, quartermaster prevents the group from becoming lost, makes a wisdom check. Uh, noticing threats, anybody can do that, it's the perception. And the repair, uh, ship's bosun can undertake the activity. On a 15 or higher with a strength check using carpenter's tools, each damaged component regains hit points equal to 1d6 plus the crew's quality score. Oh. Which is awesome. That's because cool. Because technically, if you're taking on water metaphorically and you need to uh uh fix i don't know the cannons or something like that but the crew is you know at a negative four for whatever reason like they're really unhappy you could technically end up hurting your weapons further mm -hmm. because you might roll a two on the 1d6 and your quality score might send it right into the negatives it just makes sense yeah. um yeah. stealth captain only i'm gonna get through this real quick uh yeah Captain only. Captain can engage in activities. Ship makes a dexterity check with a bonus equal to the crew's quality score to determine if it can hide if weather conditions are restricting vis uh, visibility. I mean, I could run an entire game just on these first couple pages. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of really good stuff in here. Yeah. Environmental hazards uh, that require various checks to go through. You could you could come up with any kind of hazard, whether it's you know sirens are in the water, or you know here be dragons, or or pirates, da da da. You know a storm. So here's an interesting thing. It, each day a ship spends involved in a hazard requires the officers each to make a special ability check as shown on the hazards checks table. Uh, this, check, this check takes the place of any other activity, so you can't do repairs because you're dealing with a thunderstorm or whatever. Everybody makes the check of their proficiency, intelligence, charisma, intimidation, carpenters, tools, nature, medicine, cooks, whatever. Uh, and if no one is available to make the check, it's a zero. Oh. Finally, roll a d20 for the crew using its quality score as a modifier for the roll. Add all of these checks together and then refer to the check table. 140 plus, great success. The crew's quality score increases by one for 1d4 days as you guys have made it through the hazard completely unscathed. 105 to 139, success. The ship doesn't suffer any damage, it's a success. Uh, 70 to 104, partial disaster. Each component takes 4d10 bludgeoning damage. Ooh. The crew's quality score is reduced by one. The ship struggles moving at half speed that day. That's a pretty, that's a, that, I would just call that a disaster. Yeah, that's a hefty fine. Zero to 69. Disaster. Oh my the gosh. ship's components each take 10d10 bludgeoning damage. The crew's quality score drops by two oh as several gosh. members of the crew are washed overboard and lost. The ship is blown off course and struggles to recover its bearings, Fargus. failing to cover any distance that day. Fargus, no! Like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's just, uh, because it's so unlikely, unless there are story reasons taking people away from their jobs, because with the sheer amount of people that are able to roll and add their various proficiencies, proficiencies and stuff, it's likely that you're gonna have no worse than a partial disaster. But when you do, it's oh bad. boy. It's oh bad. boy. 
there's other uh, things you, you can do emergency maneuvers. Uh, fire is a really bad, it just talks about various other uh, hazards that might happen. Uh, infestations, plagues, you know, conflict. Maybe the sailors are starting to fight each other. Uh, there are special officer actions like full speed ahead and fire at will. Uh, crashing is really cool. If a ship moves into the space occupied by a creature or object, it might crash. It avoids crashing if the creature or object is at least two sizes smaller than it. Uh, the ship makes oh. a DC. 10 constitution That's saving cool, throw the, that saying that the object is if it's smaller it avoids like the crash term means that you can get super fun if you have a bigger boat you can go back to like yeah the greek like ramming style of ship combat precisely like, you can and just if i was run a, over smaller ships Dang. yeah and if i was either a boson or a dm or whatever i would talk i would think maybe about maybe our weapon is just the hull yeah. And we just like sharpen the front and try to fucking spear people. Uh, And it does insane bludgeoning damage to everything, uh, uh, depending on the size of the ship. Yeah, the the crash damage is applied to each creature struck, uh, including other ships, crews, whatever. Uh, And yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff about downtime, resources, complications, whether or not you, you know, if you're like, I'm just going to go and do my job for a while. And my job is, you know, overseeing trade routes and stuff. And then you can introduce complications and stuff. Uh, I've been talking quite a while about this just to get it all out there. But what do you guys think? What, like, I I, I would posit that this is exactly what Unearthed Arcana should do. Uh It complements everything in the books it, it engenders creativity in the DM and the players, and it makes me excited to play the game. How about you guys? Yeah, it's one where I think that I think they really nail it on this one. I think that it's great that they include stat blocks for different types of ships and things and give you specific things. I love that a bunch of them have like, you know, if components are damaged, this is what happens. It's things that are all helpful and add to what it's trying to do in a very good and constructive way. Uh, I think that all of the specific roles on the ship are really fun. And as we saw when we were just messing around and talking about it, it's so easy to fill out NPCs or to help you generate your own character in a really fun and quick way. Uh, I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I've looked at it a lot for like Questco. <laughs> I, I love the, the thing that I like about it. And I think it is what to me, like you said, Joe, is what Unearthed Arcana should be. Yes, it enhances the game, but it does it in a way that to me is not necessarily like specific. The, one of the things that I hate about Unearthed Arcana is occasionally like, and I'm not talking about like the headiness of like psionics, they're a thing, mm. right? Like that's not what I'm talking about when I'm saying like, don't be specific. What I love about this Unearthed Arcana is it leaves a lot of choices up to the DM. Like it's not yeah, like uh-huh, when you yeah. have disaster, the 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 first mate and the bosun are the ones that get thrown overboard. It's like four MP, four things, four yeah. crew members. You pick them. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Is is there somebody that the the cast uh, the the cast the uh, the crew has alienated? So you mm. take them overboard and put them on another ship. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Or does it become we overcome our animosity and yeah. go save Jerry? You know, how how can you make a disaster something that's beneficial to the story? I uh, I, j- oh. I just love. Uh, I also love this one because like as a DM, if you were like, man, I'm really stumped on like a campaign, right? For like a group of friends, mm-hmm. or I need to like run something tomorrow, right? I could pull up this unearthed yeah. arcana, take just the like, here's here's the roles on the ship, and send it out to my players, and be like, 
come up with something similar to what you just did with like Fergus and Mingus, right? Yeah. And just yeah. the initial, like the, the brain creates like so much from that. And then just being able to be like, cool. So that's part of the crew. Here's the other part of the crew. You're in, you're basically in a tavern that goes places. It's like the perfect D and D set. Well, you know what I mean. Like it is. It, it's it's a yeah, small, it's awesome. but very specific starting location. Yeah. Um, and it 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 also gives a, a cohesion and a unity that many campaigns yeah, sometimes I, lack at the beginning. You have a you have a reason for a party to be working together because they literally need mm. everyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or the ship don't go. And the ship gotta go. I think it's thing. really good kindling go. for uh, a campaign. I feel you. Well, that's that's boat stuff. I hope you liked it. I'm ready to move on on through, unless you guys want to continue daydreaming about our eventual nautical campaign. Nah, man. I'm just gonna start statting out uh, Mingus over here. I already have a character. Uh, Paracocra. And we got Mingus, Fargus. Obviously, Brumbus and Frumbus are gonna be on the ship. Oh, for sure. They're like oarsmen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Buff Strongston. Buff Strongston. Julio Good Intentions is going to be there. In this one, he's playing the drow with sunscreen. Of course. <laughs> you guys, you guys really, there, there is a certain flavor of NPC that I, I, I always know they are going to distrust this person. And <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whether I have plans for that person or if they are we inherently untrustworthy. Plans. Right. <laughs> we playing it for them. Here's the thing. Right. I'm going to call the shot that they're the bad guy so much that you have to do it <laughs> so that I can be That's right. That's true. So then you get to claim that I you will, were right I all along. find a reason right. why they're bad. <laughs> and by the rules of yes and, I am, I am bound by to make By the rules of Leo yes and, or... you'll have to remove their face and show that they're a bear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I re-listened to that the other day. Oh, God, it was so fun. Hello friends, Jonah here to say thank you for listening to this episode of Talk and Shop. We hope you all had a wonderful time over the holidays and we are excited to be bringing you the Quest Company's first episode of the new year. We recorded this one while we were all still scattered to the winds, but we are all back in town now and we're going to hit the ground running in January recording some new actual play content. So be on the lookout for all that good stuff in the coming weeks after we release part two of this grab bag chat session where I'll be talking about the class feature variants on Earth Arcana. We hope you all enjoy these episodes. We have a lot of fun making them, and frankly, it's the easiest way to keep content coming out while we are all busy with shows and travel and no one has time to actually do DM prep. If you're a fan of the Quest Company, please do us a favor and go to our page on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a rating and review. It's a huge help to us and we read every review that comes in. So why don't you go ahead and make that your New Year's resolution to go and help out the podcast you love by letting people know how much you love them. And if you really love what we do here at the Quest Company and you want to take the next step in supporting us, please consider becoming a Patreon subscriber. For as little as $2 a month, you can help us with necessary expenses, help us continue to improve the quality of the show, and get access to exclusive content and other cool patron rewards. 
We've gotten two new patrons since our last episode. Big ol' thank you to Luke and David, our newest ace trainers. They are big fans of what we're doing over at Quest Company Jr. If you haven't listened to Postcards from Pearl and you like Pokemon, I implore you to check it out. Sarah and I have so much fun producing that show. That said, thank you for your support, Luke and David. It means the world to us. If you'd like to give us that same support, you could do so at patreon.com slash questcompanypodcast. We also have a link to the Patreon on our website, questcompanypodcast.com. If you'd like to contact us, you could do so directly through the Connect page on our website or by finding us on Twitter, Instagram, etc. at The Quest Company. You can also come hang out with us in our Discord. If you need links to any of those things, go check out our website. It is all there. I'd like to thank Joe Lytus for editing this episode, along with the artist whose music is featured in it. Thank you to Doug Maxwell for the song Swing Bada Bing. Thank you to Scott Holmes for the song Follow Your Dreams. And thank you to TabletopAudio.com for providing the ambient sounds. Additional sound design by Slappy. That's all for me, so let's get back to the old grindstone. I think I hear the sound of grievances that need to be aired. Thanks for listening to Talk and Shop here at the Quest Company. Where shall we sail next, mateys? Into the into the nitty gritty or into the the corner of grievances? I think uh, I think let's go to the airing of grievances in the middle, so we can pull it back up at the end. Y'all think this is gonna be so damn bad? Are, yeah, I just love the. Are we going to the uh, grievance uh, corner? Yeah, let's have a little jingle here for Andrew's grievance corner. Jingle, and then I'll add a little jingle or something. Hey, lovers. Hey, friends. Hey, listeners. It's my grievance corner. Come join me. Come join me in my grievance corner. A scary, scary uh, Blair Witch-esque corner where I stare into the corner <laughs> and scream my grievances. Specifically today, if, uh, if I could get all my magic-using friends, all my, all my wizards, get the fuck out. Your class is perfect. Go away. Sorcerers. Okay. Sorcerers, come with me to the grievance corner. Let's talk about your broken ass class. Hey, yeah, I don't know shit. I don't know any shit spells. I, I got nothing. What's up? What you got? Cool. My eyes. It's burn me, Tony Sorcerer. Two souls <laughs> enter. A soul burns. A Jo crystal burns within <laughs> my soul. Cool. So, uh, yeah, guys. Um, sorcerers. 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 This is a class that I think everybody on face value is like, wow, that's an overpowered class. And then you look at the sorcerer and you're like, wow, that is an oddly nonspecific and, and what? Right. I want to, I want to read real quick, just real fast. Y'all here is, here is what the, the, the base handbook says the, the, the third paragraph, fourth paragraph, sorry. Sorcerers carry a magical birthright conferred upon them by an exotic bloodline, some otherworldly influence or exposure to unknown cosmic forces. One can't study sorcery as one learns a language any more than one can live a legendary life. No one chooses sorcery. The power chooses the sorcerer. Oh! What a a cool class! Yeah, oh, I got birth magic, baby. Right? 
It's not, it's not born into the world by a conspiracy of wind and rain and fire like, and birds to save it from the dark lore. It's such a cool idea. Your, your, your mind instantly springs with like, here are all these character options. Uh, yeah, it's me, Tony Sorcerer. Uh, yeah. Do I have an angelic bloodline? Do I have... Do I have like demon bloodline? Do I am I dragon bloodline? Or what gives me this magic power that isn't learned? It's just innate. And it might be dangerous. And it might be like, ah. The patriarch, Father John, has given me his pizza powers. And his racism. <laughs> and his racism. Hooray. No one said that Father John was not problematic, but he did confer upon me my pizza powers through divine birthright. I cast cancel. Cool. So, uh, the sorcerer. <laughs> the sorcerer. I'm not playing in that space. This is a grievance corner. <laughs> the sorcerer really. Is, so, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, in case you're listening to this and you don't know D and D super well, or you haven't gotten to play the sorcerer, right? The sorcerer yeah. is a, a charisma spellcaster, similar to a bard, similar to a warlock. Really, the only spellcaster that's not charisma-based or wisdom-based is the wizard. But they're supposed to be more in right. line with the wizard, but just charisma-based. They don't prepare spells like a wizard. They just have known spells, um, which will be the largest of my grievances, but we'll get there. Uh, but they get these cool things at each level uh, called sorcery points, right? So if you go 1 through 20, which almost no one ever gets to a 20th level campaign, but if you do, right, you will have 20 sorcery points that you can spend to bend your magic in new and interesting ways. Cool. That's yeah. a cool idea. Cool as hell. Dope. Love it. Yes. Unique. Here's where I'm going to argue that the sorcerer falls flat of every other class. Sorcery points recharge on a long rest. I think you have to because fundamentally they put in the thing that sorcery points can be used to rebuy spell slots. So mm. if you uh, turned uh -huh. them into a uh -huh. short rest ability... You would have infinite spells. That's a wacko amount of spells. You could spam it, right? You could. Right. You would have players that would be like, let me misuse this. I personally think like a, a DM could talk to a player and be like, hey, let's talk about, you can only use that ability to, to create spell slots X amount of times per day. Or for a total amount of spell levels. Wizards get arcane recovery on a short rest. They can get a couple spell slots for back. Sure. I mean, it wouldn't, it's not, it's not out of the, out of the beyond the pale right. we're talking about a 20th level campaign you only mm. have 20 sorcery points wake up to go to sleep that's all you got and this is as god tier yeah. players you're gonna mm. burn through that shit so fast creating effects for your spells or or quick casting a second spell right which is what you yeah. need to be doing in order to be a sorcerer because if you're only doing one spell per turn then you're a wizard you're just a bad wizard and yeah. you don't have the benefits of being a wizard yeah mm -hmm. so like a sorcery wizard. points the wizard first thing that's busted in my opinion in the sorcery class second thing sorcerers only learn 15 spells ever which stays Total. on par with like the warlock but if we're talking about like sorcerer versus warlock I, to me, it makes sense that the warlock learns less spells because you're picking up invocations and the ability to like mm. auto cast a spell infinitely, right? Like, yes, I right. only have 15 spells, yeah. but I can cast change uh, alter appearance or whatever it is 
what is it? Mask of Ma- many, mask faces. many faces. Yeah, yeah I cast alter self whenever alter, I want. Yeah, I can cast that whenever I want. I'm constantly like, detecting magic. So, like, I'm, you know, I can do whatever. I don't whatever. need that spell. I don't need detect magic if I'm because I have that invocation, or I'm a tome warlock and I have a ritual book, and I, I don't need to add that spell. There's other there's perks. Maybe your patron gives you good dental plan. Yes, Cthulhu's like man, those teeth. Uh, want some in your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that caught me. I know I was happy. <laughs> but uh, also, so sorcerer, right? I would argue that it feels like a sorcerer should have access to more spells than a warlock. Correct. Mm. It's kind of crippling. Yes, it feels crippling. And the fact that they're like, but you get six cantrips by level 20 is not something that mitigates that, considering that cantrips are about one of the easiest things in the game to pick up. Yeah, Yeah. you could just take magic initiate and boom you get two more like the the sorcerer only ends up with what one more than the wizard yeah, you end up with Total? six wizard i think is five right like it's it's that's not enough it's not enough to, to dictate a, a loss of if we're comparing no. sorcerer to wizard all right. the spells <laughs> literally literally all, all, all spells but if we're talking about how many can be prepared i think it's what like 25 for the wizard if you're like maxed out on everything well yeah, on, on, you, on a given yeah. day Theoretically, yeah, it's your level if you, if you plus don't have your intelligence modifier, or whatever, right? So, like, you could have but, known twenty-five on you prepared, but mm-hmm. you could also have a completely different twenty-five the next day because you have them all in your book. Uh, so, so let's say the sorcery points are, are a cool idea, but they kind of fall flat, and then the basic chassis is a cool idea, but it kind of falls flat, and that you're really crippled by the, the spells known. Surely that means that like they would put a lot of love into the subclass features, and that it would be your specific Joe, bloodline that gives Joe, you. I feel like I feel like mm-hmm. you're putting a ball on a tee and then handing it back to me. I might be here. Let I me feel hand like that's you this exactly what he's doing. I feel like you're like, hey, I'm gonna throw a pitch right down the center. Uh, just swing real hard. Uh, no, no. Most of the subclasses, most of the sorceress origins, feel washed out and shitty. Right. I'm gonna talk about right, like right in front of me. I have the five published sorcerer origins. Divine soul, garbage. i can can cast cleric spells be a cleric draconic bloodline right right? this is everybody's go-to right pick one elemental type of damage you're a little bit better at it like you can add your charisma modifier one time per turn to a spell that uses it right so like cool i'm gonna cast Mm -hmm. fireball and i get to add a five on the end of it (laughs) who cares no nobody cares oh but you get wings i can fly Okay, like uh, there's like I have magic to fly. I don't need leathery wings that pop out of my back other than like that looks cool. Like if that's the look you want to go for, like Draconic Bloodline is for a certain player. I get it. It, It totally makes sense. Their 18th level ability, which is like if you go to 18 levels in one class, right, you deserve something cool. Mm. It's why like I love I love Paladin 20th level because it's like, you deserve something for being so fucking devoted that you went 20 levels in oh, this yeah. class. You become a god totally. for a minute and kill right. everything. 18th level, yeah. I feel like we should be like pretty close to that, but not quite that. Draconic Bloodlines 18th level is like, you can kind of do the thing dragons do and scare everyone around you. Oh, is it the, the yeah, presence? Draconic presence, the intimidating at presence. 18th level. Garbage! You can make things frightened. You spend five of your sorcery points to do this, though. That's so. That's so a, a quarter of my of my things for the day. That's a quarter of them <laughs> is burnt on being like, 
hey, everyone be afraid of me, which they might not be. Uh, I could right. just cast if undead, cause fear if, if they succeed. Yeah. <laughs> if right. they succeed, if they the have saving a saving throw, like if there's a paladin, I could just cast a first level spell and not spend five sorcery points. You could just cast a fifth <laughs> level spell and kill most of those things that you're trying to frighten. I, I just hear Jonah like sort of cutting in and out. I, your your mic is fine. It's just I can just hear the spluttering, but it's always it's like to a beat. It's like. <laughs> is this how I felt listening to us whine last time? I hope. Oh my god. Uh, here you go. Ready? Uh, shadow magic. It's cool. They got it right. They got it, it right one time. I still argue that you don't yeah, have I like spells. Re really? Like you you have spells. But like, eh, be a wizard. I don't know. Like every time I look at a sorcerer subclass, I'm like, but I could just be a wizard, right? It's a class like designed for multi-classing, unfortunately. Yeah, for a dip. There are so many other charisma classes that you could do any weird combination of bard, paladin, warlock, sorcerer. Yeah. And, and I'll just something... pop in and get four, four cantrips. Ta-da. Yeah. Is it paladins and sorcerers that are very popular mix? Uh, Sorceded? Yeah. yeah Sorceded's popular. Yeah. You get your shadow magic, which is a decent is a decent one. Storm mm -hmm. sorcery. It's just bad. Unless you're on a boat, but even if you're on a boat, like even if we're in this boat land that Joe has gifted us with, right? And you're like, I'm going to be a storm sorcerer. Mm. You're kind of just good at being like hey wind go this way which you mm. can also kind of accomplish with a gust cantrip right so like eh, like i don't know I, when i saw storm sorcery i got super excited because i was like oh it's gonna be like bending lightning and it's not uh wild magic right i will always argue for wild magic. love it love it love it it's cool <laughs> i never want to play wild magic sorcerer unless it's ron tugnut nope. that was a deep cut for only Joe and Jonah. Sorry, audience. Ron Tugnut, bring him back. The most fun I've ever had at like an Adventurers League adjacent type thing, because y we've talked about this. You kind of have to make your own fun. Jack and I made, uh, we, we went to the local game stores arena night, which is literally just, they use a random numbered generator table based on easy, medium or hard or deadly difficulty for a given group of uh, uh, players, all different classes and levels, and say, here, uh, two minotaurs and a dragon. You know, it, it attracts definitely like the number crunching types. But Jack and I realized that when we were going for the first time, you have to start at level one. Yeah. And everybody else was like level nine or 10 or eight or whatever the hell, just depending on how many Tuesday nights they'd been able to sock into this thing. And so we're like, oh, we will be absolutely useless no matter what we do. Let's be a pair of halfling chaos sorcerers named Mingus and Fargus and just Classic. just try to survive as, you know, the Grognards choose a deadly encounter. And uh, it, that was some of the most fun I've had, <laughs> like in, you know, just fucking around D&D, &D, you know, this doesn't matter one shot. And it was entirely because chaos sorcerer is such a bonkers class. Yeah. I like wild magic. It's it's a fun class that does something that I think all of the sorcerer bloodlines could do. The bonus versus the cost of what is a sorcerer. Mm. Like, yeah. 
yeah, I'm gonna choose to like split this spell that only targets one person and it hits two people now, but uh, I might not get to be able to, con if I don't roll on it high enough, I might not get to control where that second beam is going, like who it's hitting. Oh, so you're saying less of a cost associated with it as far as like sorcery points, but more of like, I have the power to try and do this, but it might get weird. It might go wrong. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's- Hell yeah. It might change the battlefield. In, a, in, a, in an unusual or unexpected Because to me, way. that makes ma yes, meta please. magic more interesting. And even if sorcery points, if you use sorcery points in a way that was like, sorcery points, if you spend them to use this meta magic, you know it will work. Or you roll with advantage. Mm. Something like that. But so like, if I run out of sorcery points, it's just like, shit's gonna get a little weird as I try to bend magic. I'll, I will truly, right, Andrew's Grievance Corner, right, I'm gonna turn from the corner, I'm gonna stop Blair Witching for a second, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose a, a, a fix to the Sorcerer class, and it is this, subclass spells. Yes, that's what I was gonna mm. bring up. Essentially domain spells is what it would be. Right. Essentially yeah. it's like oh. domain spells. Right. right. Where you uh, automatically yes. get these, and they don't count against your other ones, but you get yeah. these because you, you are this. Right, which to mm. me makes sense based on what a sorcerer is, like what it is called, right? If I am a pyromancer, right? If like the elemental fire plane is in my blood, I feel like I should get mm -hmm. access to fire spells at certain levels yeah. because that's what right. I am, as opposed to being like, as opposed to being like, I'm a shadow magic sorcerer. I have magic missile. <laughs> it looks uh, like yeah. shadows You though. should. Like, yeah, that's that's kind of their band-aid though, right? Their band-aid is, oh, what if you imagine that it's instead of silvery bolts of light, it's sh it's shadowy bolts of light. I'm that's fine like, with that, but I think you can do more <sighs> in the sense of like in a class that is is predicated on being like, hey, I have this innate thing, then why do I feel like I'm having to learn everything? Like it mm -hmm. feels yeah, like- Yeah, if you're a pyromancer, just get I burning just... hands and fireball for free as you level up and progress. How do I not have fireball, right? Like how do I not just like pick that up and that doesn't count? Like, cause if you do that, right? You give the, you give the sorcerer yeah. access to what? Five more spells as they level up. That gets them to a 20, mm -hmm. right? You're probably gonna pick an origin based on spells you already wanna do, right? So if I'm playing a pyromancer, mm -hmm. right? Which is not a background that exists. Mm -hmm. But if I'm playing one, it, it's a UA Phoenix, and it's not, it's bad. Right. <laughs> we'll do that in another grievance corner. But like, <laughs> <laughs> if I, if I, so like if I'm playing that and it gives me like this, 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 and this, and I'm like, cool. I already wanted those spells because thematically that's like the character that I'm building. Now those 15, the, the allotted 15 gets to go towards stuff that's like other things so that I can help mm -hmm. my party with like, you know, teleportation. Yeah. Which again, I guess could just be the fact that I as a player don't necessarily just want to be like, I'm I'm captain, do a lot of AOE, AOE damage, area of effect listeners. If I don't want to just be the guy that's like, I'm killing 80,000 skeletons while the, the other parties deal with the boss. If I want to be the guy that's like, hey guys, I have tensors floating discs so that we can carry all this platinum out of here. I have utility right. spells yeah. that people don't often use. Things that change the entire mood yes, or, or like, tone or next. But also thrust to me, like a campaign. sorcerer should have access to the spells that's like, let me change the the field of battle. 
Like sorcerers and wizards yes. to me should be the classes that can be a tactician. That can be like, yeah. hey, I'm gonna put up walls of earth so that everybody has to funnel into my barbarian and my paladin that are standing next to each right. other. And my druid, who's a dire wolf, making everything go prone. Yeah, you should you should be able to, as you mold your magic, also mold the battlefield. Correct. Yeah. And it is something that I think sorcerers sorely don't get. Even if you were like, if you kept them as they are, then why aren't you like, hey, give them a D8 for hit points. Like, mm. Right? Like, I feel much better about it. Bone. Throw them a bone somewhere. They're on. They're literally on par with everything with a wizard, except for they use charisma, not intelligence. Everything else, they're worse than a wizard in. Yeah, the things that they want to do, they're not. Good Other at. than meta magic, like meta yeah. magic is a cool idea. I think. I think they kind of screwed it up in the sense that, like, in Pathfinder, meta magic was feats. So like a wizard could take meta magic, a sorcerer could take meta magic, a bard could take meta magic. You could have a cleric mm. that took meta magic so that they could like cast cure wounds and then quick cast cure wounds, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah which yeah. is a cool thing to like be like, these are feats. Like, yeah. this is interesting. Maybe a sorcerer inherently can the, get those. I, like, the, 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 mm. there are things that I'm like, I don't think they knew how to differentiate sorcerer and wizard, so they just threw shit at sorcerer until it was like, it's different yeah. enough. They knew flavor wise. They did not know. Correct. Uh, because when I look, mechanic, when I look at yeah. the the summary, the first page in the player's handbook of a sorcerer, I'm like, oh man, I would always want to play this over a wizard. Like, yeah. Like I was just reading that. Like yeah. occasionally, flavor wise, it's so much cooler because I'd want to be like, ooh, but I like the idea of somebody that like writes everything down and like learns it or whatever. Like, it's like what character you want to play, which is cool. But then I look at like the the components of a sorcerer and i'm like but why when you first read these things you're right when you look at sorcerers like oh man he could be anybody and just you know shooting fireballs out of his dick or whatever right but the the idea that there isn't a cost coming with it it's just something that you inherit or is a part of you that's an attractive thing for a lot of character types a lot of role-playing kind of shit it's just a shame that the uh the mechanics of it doesn't really yeah uh, like I think there's a, make you feel like you're powerful. Correct. I think there's a really cool yeah. somewhere, somewhere on a cutting floor. I think there is a really cool version of sorcerer, and I think there is a really cool version of like an infernal sorcerer bloodline that has like mm -hmm. what Andrew wants, which is like cost for using skills. Yeah, blood mage. Because well, I mean, like, oh my gosh, right? I worked on making. Well, that would be a perfect sorcerer. I, I worked yeah, on a blood making mage. a subclass that was. Uh, like a blood mage sorcerer and it was going to be like you can lose hit points to regain sorceries points right like but then you start to get to a thing of like you get into like full metal yeah. alchemist shit where it's like what is the cost of a human soul and what should you gain from it man that would be fun would you do a proportional like it would be it's not 10 hit points it's one tenth of your max hit points and you get this many spells from when it, i right? played with so it, then it it scales when i played with it it was um spending hit dice so instead of having hit dice like you would you could either have your hit oh. dice on your short rest to heal or in combat, you could roll a hit dice and take that and take damage, that much damage to gain either like sorcery points or use a meta magic that was specific to blood blood magic. I 
adore that. Now, are you we saying write that? You're, so are you're, you saying that you would expend the hit dice in the fact that you would be like you couldn't use the hit dice and arrest, or you're just saying you could just choose to roll? If I if my hit dice are a d6, I roll the d6, and that's how much damage I can take, and I do that however many times. Or it's like this is using my hit dice to do it. Both. So you lose the hit cool. dice yeah. to heal, and you take the damage from it. Hell yeah. You know what I would do? I was going to say, I, I would add even one more cost on top of spending the hit dice and taking that damage from the hit dice. I would say that until you have a short rest, or yeah, I think a short rest would make sense, you, you lose that capacity for health. As in your maximum hit points go mm. down by that amount. It can't just immediately be healed up, healed up by healing spirit yeah. or, or whatever else that the, the cleric might have. Because otherwise, every single encounter would just be, hey, let's heal uh, Josh while he hurts himself and kills all the bad guys. I'm pretty so, sure, he, I'm pretty sure I had that in my, in my thing when I was working on it, too. Oh, yeah. Their maximum was reduced up. Because it was like I was trying to ride the line between like what is something that is like would be intra I would be interested in playing and not be like I would never use it because <laughs> I don't want to die. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, though. I Le level 10 or whatever else ability like, you know, something that a, a real ribbon halfway through uh, you are reduced permanently to one tenth of your hit points, but you get to take three turns in a row. And then after eight hours, like you have to survive for like a day or something on one tenth of your hit points. So it's literally just like, this is my last shot. I hope I don't fucking die. I, I let me just glass cannon out right here. And then hopefully my friends will be alive to take care of me and babysit me yeah. for the next day and a half. Yeah. But you go full master blaster. Yeah. Three turns in a row. Like, I mean, maybe that's entirely way too much, but if if there's a hefty enough cost, I feel like we could get away with a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be a cool capstone. Yeah. Like, that would make me want to play that out to be like, if I can get to that level, because, you know, I that's kind of on the same level as, like, uh, some of the rogue capstones where you get to have essentially multiple turns. But something like that is like, that's worth getting to if you could do that, right. especially as a caster. Uh, that's wild. Anywho, those are the things that like Anywho. sorcerer to me is like missing. I don't look at a lot of sorceress origins and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to play that. Like anytime I'm thinking about a sorcerer, I'm like, uh, I would have to talk to a DM. Like I will say this. Yeah. Uh, while I don't love a lot of the class features of the, uh, aberrant mind, like it has some cool ones. Don't get me wrong. Like there's just some of it that I'm like, eh. The I think Stone Sorcerer is also pretty fucking good, but that's yeah. I mean, all, all like of this said, I still plan on doing Stone Sorcerer for the Conan thing. You're totally good. Yeah, this is not me like bagging on characters that are sorcerers. It's me bagging mm. on like oh, no, 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 no. the game as a whole for that class because I want that class yeah. to be better, um, to live up to its potential. But like, uh, Aberrant Mind is the first time they've kind of took that step into being like, hey. Here's spells that you just pick up as you level up. You need to like swallow your pride about being like, but it's not in the first book and be like, hey, 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 draconic bloodlines based on which one you choose. You pick up these spells at this level. If I'm a mm -hmm. blue dragon uh, draconic sorcerer, right? I'm going to pick up chain mm -hmm. lightning at some point. It's what I do because you should. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's what because I you do. should get if it. I'm a red dragon, right? 
Sorcerer's Origin, I'm going to get Fireball at some point through that. Even if you throw a cantrip, like, which is not something that the Sorcerer needs, but like, because it's a level one thing, you can spend source like cantrip points on other cantrips, right? Like, if I'm Red Dragon, uh, give me Firebolt so that I can take mm, message. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, sh- uh, like shadow magic give me ma- like d- darkness as a spell not just as something i can do with sorcery points because again right and the only way that you get the perk is if you spend sorcery points yeah i only have 20 of them and that's at the highest level right 10th level most players will never get to 10th level in their campaign right unless they start there unless they start there that's only 10 sorcery points that's a couple yeah. uses a whole of meta day. magic, and we're not even talking about buying spell slots at that point. It, it it feels like it doesn't have love. It feels like it doesn't. Playing a sorcerer level one through ten must just Ooh, be the most God. terrible experience the game can offer. Because uh, the thing you need to be good at, you can't do well. You don't gain back any spell slots really on a short rest like a wizard can do you just kind of have to like grip it and rip it until you either are dead or you're a god like (laughs) (laughs) i don't know it just it doesn't look fun at early levels at all to play a sorcerer unless you're doing something silly like i'm a wild magic sorcerer that's gonna pay a bodyguard the entire time and find children to throw in a diamond mine <laughs> I'm talking about a character Ron i played Ron Ron Tugnut. god i i really <laughs> wish i i often wake up in the middle of the night sweating wishing that we had recorded that because that was a fun it was a fun oh, night man. but like you had like we had to make that fun with a sorcerer the things i did that were the true, most fun true, with true. that sorcerer were not things that were like inherent to the sorcery yeah. class it was I have oh, a it was lot things of when you were trying to die based based on my know, what it was. and I'm paying oh my the God. fighter to protect me. Like <laughs> yeah, it was it was being a libertarian jewel owner, jewel mine owner trying to <laughs> press gang orphan druids into, into it. Like, <laughs> like hey, if they're orphan druids, turn into mice, uh, get into small nooks that other kids can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh God. Oh Ron talking about a Ulysses Vanderbilt. Yeah, you uh, and and Dench Judy, a barbarian Judy. who owned the club, and then uh, Mitch, the fighter who was a barista, the golden the golden god, god Mitch. Mitch. <laughs> is that is that it for Andrew's grievance corner? Hey everybody, thanks for joining me in my corner, uh, where I air my grievances and and stare into it longingly, trying to cross my eyes to pass to the other side. <laughs> If if you agree with my hate for the sorcerer class, for the let me rephrase the the, the toolkit that the sorcerers get by Wizards of the Coast, not anything against people who are like I want to play a sorcerer because like trust me I want to play a sorcerer. Every time I sit down to create one though, I'm like just be I'll just <sighs> be a wizard. Love y'all. Thanks for standing in the corner with me. <laughs> <laughs>